Surprise! The executive leadership team has emerged from days of strategic planning, and it's been decided that several initiatives will need to be executed in the coming fiscal year to achieve new heights in rapid organizational growth. You've been selected to organize the initiatives into a series of programs and oversee their delivery, which is exciting. Congratulations. But when you look around the room, you can tell that while some folks look eager and inspired, others look downright afraid. Because when done right, rapid growth can mean new opportunities, parabolic increases in revenue, and a higher quality of life for everyone involved. But when done poorly, it can mean instability, imbalance, pain, and burnout. As a person meant to plan and deliver these transformative initiatives, you realize you're the unlikely protagonist at the center of a story about change. How can you leverage your positioning between the leadership team and the rest of the organization to ensure that the goal of rapid growth doesn't come at the cost of people's well-being? If you've ever struggled to harmonize ambitious growth targets against the human side of delivering strategic initiatives, keep listening. We're going to be diving deep into the role of the program manager in creating a framework for people-centric change and how organizations can support that role to achieve healthy, sustainable growth. Hey folks, thanks for tuning in. My name is Galen Lowe with the Digital Project Manager. We are a community of digital professionals on a mission to help each other get skilled, get confident, and get connected so that we can amplify the value of project management in a digital world. If you want to hear more about that, head over to thedigitalprojectmanager.com. Today, we're going to be taking a deep dive into how a solid approach to program management can help an organization scale. With me today is someone who has been leading strategic programs within large consultancies, as well as startups for well over a decade. She's also one of my favorite recurring guests on the podcast. Please welcome Sarah Hoban. Hello, Sarah. Hi, Galen. It's so great to be here. It's great to have you. It's always great to have you. I always love our discussions. I'm excited today to dive into program management. We were talking just earlier. It is a big topic. And this is almost just like scratching the surface, tip of the iceberg. Um, but I do, I am excited to, to really get into this program management mindset and what it means for, for, for rapid growth in general. Me too. This is totally one of the areas that I nerd out on. So I'm so excited <laughs> to talk about it. Awesome. Let's nerd out. Uh, let's, let's, let's give folks their bearings uh, first. So here's the thing that I know about you that I would like our listeners to know. Um, you're a bit of a Swiss army knife, I would say, in the world of digital transformation. So you've got a bit of background in project and program management. You have a background in product management. Uh, and also you have a background in technology strategy. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that journey? How have you managed to to accrue all that diverse experience? Yeah, absolutely. I think working in a large consultancy helps. Um, that's where I started my career in program management. I, I didn't quite know what it was called um, or what I was doing, but I knew that I loved it and I was good at it. Um, so I managed projects when uh, I was at that consultancy. Some were a couple of thousand dollars, some were a couple million dollars. So the gamut in between. And I found myself kind of gravitating towards emerging technology projects or projects that were a little bit off of the beaten path of what um, my company at the time was was doing is its bread and butter work. Um, so things like uh, transportation in emerging technology space where there wasn't a blueprint for regulation and how do you manage that um, or international development projects, which were not, again, bread and butter for my company, although they are others. Um, and I continued that journey into the startup realm. I've always been interested in new technologies in the future, including the future of work. And I, um, that's really informed a lot of what I've done as a program manager. I love that. And I think you're like, I can absolutely relate uh, to that sort of consultancy view where you do get a lot of diversity in what you work on, especially, uh, and also in startups. That's super cool. Uh, I wondered, could you tell us a bit about your experience just like scaling organizations through programs? Like how has your background in program management and strategy influenced how you approach that sort of thing? Yeah, absolutely. I think a big component of a program manager role is um, people management, whether you're doing that formally or informally. So because we are a cross-functional partner to so many different groups, I think there's uh, a natural ability that we have to kind of make the culture on a team. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with scalability. Um, so that when whether that looks like coming into a greenfield space where it's a new type of project you've never done, and and to me that's that's creating a program and scaling it, or if it's truly like, hey, this team or this business is growing, and and you're responsible for effectuating that growth. Um, I think from both of those angles, um, I've had the opportunity and the pleasure to do that type of work. 
I like that nuance about like the people and culture side of things. Um, and kind of, you know, we're almost, uh, we're definitely across, right? Different areas of a business. Um, in some cases, like a hub in the middle, connecting people together, but also driving that vision of like, what what is the impact of the work we're doing? Um, it's not just sort of humdrum business as usual stuff. It's actually mm -hmm. leading towards something more grandiose, I guess, yeah. inspiring people to kind of um, to, to rise to the occasion in that particular scenario. Um, maybe I should take one half step back uh, because we're talking about programs or we're talking about program management. Uh, and a lot of our folks are listening because, you know, we are the digital project manager. But um, could you talk a bit about how you define a program and like how is it different from project management? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think I get asked this question a lot. Uh, I think there's two answers to it, which makes it even more confusing. One is I think that the terms are interchangeable, right? So a lot of um, project management roles in the tech space, they can be labeled as program management, and it's really an interchangeable term. Um, so that's one nuance. And then the second is um, you can also have it as a meaning where a program is a larger, you know, either portfolio or group of related projects. So it's kind of one step up from your, you know, project that you're leading. It's thinking about it in terms of how does that project or group of projects impact the larger business? So I prefer program management as a term because I think even if you're managing a single project, having that perspective is very helpful um, as you advance in your career and as you are, you know, being a strategic thought partner, which I think is such a fun and interesting part of being a program manager. Oh, I really like that. And yes, I know what you mean, right? Like potentially two conflicting definitions. Are they interchangeable? Are they not? But kind of what I'm inferring from it, choosing to infer from it, <laughs> is this like complexity, right? Like yes. you could have a technology project um, that is sort of, you'd have to approach it at a program level because there are a lot of different moving parts, um, because there are a lot of different cross-functional teams doing different things. And in some ways, that is that, like, that is what we're trying to say at that level to say, like, not just a single thing to achieve a single goal, but maybe an ecosystem of goals and an ecosystem of effort to actually deliver an outcome. And therefore, it is kind of similar to the other definition, which is like maybe a cluster of different projects that are interdependent, that are trying to achieve um, shared goals. Exactly. That was so well put. I, I wish I could like record that, except we just did. So that's perfect. We just did. <laughs> we did it. Um, all right, let's get into it. Um, so there's a lot of organizations out there that I feel like are trying to achieve like rapid growth, but they don't necessarily think of the components of that growth <laughs> as a program. Um, so I was just wondering, like, what are some of the key pain points of scaling an organization that you feel could be solved or addressed through like a program mindset? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's it's incremental by necessity. So I'll start with saying that um, the definition you gave for program management, I think, is a good way to think about it, even if your project, single project that you're working on is not at that stage yet it's going to get to that stage, assuming all goes well, right? So having that growth mindset is key and having the ability as a, as a program manager to see around those quarters, to understand what that potential looks like, to articulate what that vision is with leadership. And then I think a lot of times our role is just to ask intelligent questions. I, I say just, but it's, it's, it's a significant role. I don't mean to diminish it. Um, sometimes we can be the person in the room who's that neutral third party slash therapist who could ask, hey, why would we want to do that that way? Why would our customer care about this? Or how would we realistically execute this solution internally? So I do think it is taking that bigger vision or strategy, whether it's handed to you or not, oftentimes it's not. So it's working with your leadership to, and stakeholders to tease that out. Um, and then breaking that down into a tactical plan, because it's great to have a strategy and vision, but if you have no way to execute it, you don't have the people, you don't have the money, you don't have a timeline, and you're not sure like what to do first, you wind up doing everything at once and then it gets abandoned, right? So I think the big strength that we have is planning for the future and for the longer term um, and making that vision a reality, which People think it's the simple part, but as program managers, we know it's totally not. And there's a lot of things that go into it, even if they cannot always be measured. 100%. I love what you said about um, like looking around corners and then also just that future perspective of, 
you know, maybe your project doesn't feel like a program yet. Um, but I think like coming at it two different ways, right? Like sometimes as a project manager, you have that one project and it has its own sort of freestanding goals and you have these liberties of maybe not looking outside of that and not choosing to understand how it fits in within a bigger picture, even though it does, frankly, right? Mm -hmm. As a project, it, it, it more than likely does versus coming at it the other way, knowing that, okay, yes, this is part of a growth strategy. My job as a project or program manager is to uh, make the plan, make the tactical plan to deliver this as a reality, knowing that I also need to be thinking about beyond the project. I need to be thinking about like the broader organizational growth strategy mm -hmm. and I need to be asking the right questions and having the right conversation. It's not that as a program manager, we suddenly become the people who create that strategy. We are uh, the ones who need to be able to look around those corners and look towards the future to be able to like achieve the the broader initiative, the the broader strategic goals, um, especially in terms of growth, because it, it is all sort of related. And I guess, would you say that that's kind of the program mindset is just like um, really understanding where you are in the bigger picture and the role that you play and the questions that you have to ask? Yeah, I, I think that's a great, you know, summary. I think it's being that person who has that vision and is able to further that vision and articulate it. And I think a natural step that comes out from that is the prioritization process. So there's been many cases in my career where I'll come in and, you know, here's the vision and the strategy, but it's really a collection of like 45 things that want to get done. And then the decision-making is, is often not Nobody likes to make decisions and nobody is good at making decisions. I don't think it's challenging. It's hard. It's something that humans are, they struggle with. Decision fatigue is like a real thing um, from a neuroscience perspective. So I do think it's creating the conditions for people to make those decisions. Um, sometimes that's by asking the right questions. Sometimes that's by showing the trade-offs of one path versus another path. Um, and then holding folks accountable to make those decisions and to stick with them. And then um, a natural, I think a natural outcome of that is prioritization, which is like, I've never seen an organization like do that perfectly. Um, but I think that that's the goal, right? If you do have to make trade-offs, if you want to be, if you want to excel in one area and have a big picture vision, it does require focus um, for success. I think that's a really good point about decision-making and prioritization. And I think that's probably a whole other episode as well, because I would love to dig into that because I think you're right. I mean, it is uh, fundamentally a bit of a compromise. and I've seen it happen so many times, right? You do strategic planning, you distill all of your ideas into like these really clear goals, like that align with your mission and vision and values. And then when it comes to like, cool, what should we do? There's all these things that actually fall way outside of that. They're like, I want to do this and we want to do this. And we're like, okay. How does this actually support the big right. the big goals? And those are tough conversations to have because even at the leadership level, they're like, well, because we still want to do that thing, even though it doesn't ladder up to any goal. And it's really hard at that point to be like, well, can't we just do it all? And I think the whole point is, no, actually, we need to be organized and we need to prioritize. We need to understand, like you said, right, the trade-offs of doing one thing, the opportunity cost of not doing something. Um, and, and how does this all ladder up to something bigger? Um, and I think that's kind of like a macro metaphor for like human collaboration yeah. in general, right? It's like, okay, how can we all, you know, rally behind this thing, uh, in a unified way, knowing that it means sacrifice elsewhere. Um, and that's, that's a hard decision to make as an organization, but I think that's really cool about the prioritization thing. Yeah. And I don't think it's, um, there's ever a scenario where you know, there is a scenario where you can say, yes, we can do all of those things, but here is the outcome. You know, there's a recognition you're probably going to be able to do all of those things, but not well. We can do all of those things, but we need more people, money, whatever it looks like, or our schedule will change or people will burn out and we'll have attrition. Like there is a scenario where that is a possible pathway, but I think it's portraying again, what are, what are the trade-offs? You know, what are the consequences of choosing that path? And just being realistic and, and candid about what that looks like. I think it's really cool. I wonder if we can, I wonder if you can paint a picture of how that begins, right? Like where does someone even start when it comes to like designing programs to drive strategic initiatives? We've been talking about things like prioritization. We've been talking about things like program managers, you know, creating that plan to tactically execute 
uh, a program or a part of a program to drive strategic initiatives. But like, how does it begin? How does one begin to sort of um, apply a program mindset to uh, strategic initiatives, especially growth initiatives? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's a, a clear-cut answer. I can kind of walk through a practical of how you could think about approaching it. I think it's it's twofold. I think there's two different approaches, and I usually do both of them in parallel. You know, which one I emphasize more than the other kind of depends on the situation. But I think when you come in, there's two ways that you can go about it. So you're a program manager, you're this neutral third party, and you may or may not even administratively report into the, you know, the team that you're supporting. Um, so you're, you're a relative outsider. Um, formally or not. So I think a big component of your success is going to be to build a trust with your stakeholders and your team, which is something we all, all of these listeners will know intimately well and understand how to do. Um, so I think it's being really deliberate about investing the time up front in those relationships. That's going to garner the greatest success. So it's coming in, if you're, if you're new in your role, it's even better because you can have that, that uh, independent perspective off the start of, oh, I'm new here. I don't know what's going on and be able to ask the questions that are maybe uncomfortable, but you don't know your defenses. You don't know that they're uncomfortable. So you get some honest answers. Um, so I think that's a good starting point is to like collect a ton of information and work on building the relationships with the stakeholders. Then once you've got everything that you know of, you know, what people do for their day jobs, areas that they find that they struggle with or that are challenges for them that they find annoying. It's like, okay, what am I going to do in the first like couple of months? Let's say it's a 90 day time frame to solve some of these challenges. Here's the things I heard over and over and over again, leadership team, you know, anonymized, of course. And so, you know, here's the things that I'm going to do in the first 30, 60, then 90 days to execute. And I think a piece of that is identifying where there are those quick wins up front. So it could be something like, this meeting that we have every week is like a complete waste of time. There are 35 people attend and like, we don't know why we used to have it as a stand up for five people. Now it's huge. Like, I don't get what this call is. Okay, let's like get rid of the call. Let's figure out a way to do that async. That's a huge victory that people will instantly like love you for because who doesn't love getting a meeting canceled? And you can use that, even though it seems minor, to kind of capitalize on continued success and get buy-in for some of the harder things that we need to get done. So... Um, I think building those relationships, identifying what that plan is, what those quick wins are, getting the buy-in on that plan. Um, and then I think it's a balance of bottom-up versus top-down. I generally like to work with the people who are most receptive to like getting help first because I'm like, okay, those are my change champions. Those are the people who are going to like say good things about me and then other people are going to want to work with me. So that paves the way. So I will usually start at that level. But then in the meantime, I'm kind of like, hey, leadership, here's the things that you all need to do. I find that sometimes it takes a little longer for them to get on board. So I try to like work the grassroots magic. Um, they're starting to hear things bubble up. And then they can understand, oh, this stuff that, that Sarah's been telling me all along is probably something I should be doing, huh? Um, and it kind of warms them up to the big things that, you know, the setting the goals and the like prioritization of projects that are like hard and nobody wants to do things that are hard. It's uncomfortable. It's daunting. Um, so I think that was a very long-winded way of saying it's very much about, um, it's, it's a bit formulaic really, but um, there's a lot, I think, that relies on our emotional intelligence and our intuition, which is as program managers are solid skills that we have. So I think once you start to get in there and, and feel your way through the trenches, like things will start to, to service for you and you'll know what makes sense to do. Actually, I think it's a really nice, crisp picture, actually, of how we are sort of managing change from the middle, knowing that, yes, our champions of change are probably the people, you know, A, doing the work within our project or program, and also who will need to like adopt this change. Um, and it is about trust building, and you need to start from day one, and you need those quick wins under your belt so that people want to work with you and are coming, like, you know, um, along with you, like, relatively willingly. Mm -hmm. And also knowing that you are acting as, uh, I guess, a bit of um, a bit of a mouthpiece for them as well, up to yes. leadership, that you are surfacing some of the insights and some of the things that they're thinking and doing and feeling, um, you know, as maybe boots on the ground versus what leadership team sees. Uh, and then I like that overall, right? Like managing up as well is because uh, guess what? Your leadership team, all those execs, your C-suite, they're going to need to do things and make decisions based on the information that you're giving them. 
Um, that might be a surprise to them, right? Yeah. <laughs> it might be like, a, whatever, we made the plan, strategic planning, and just go do stuff. Uh, and then they start realizing that actually, okay, these are all really valuable insights that we did not have mm-hmm. to help us make smart decisions and de-risk some of this change. Because, you know, you mentioned earlier, right? Sometimes, especially in a high growth organization, there might be a temptation to do all the things and everyone's just going to burn out. Mm-hmm. And they might do a whole bunch of things very poorly. You might get them done. Mm-hmm but they might not have the impact. And really, again, just kind of trying to manage from from the middle. Like, I think it is a very crisp picture of like what the role of a program manager is for an initiative that impacts like major sections, if not the entire organizational structure. Yeah, and I think there's also that element um, that we hear a lot about, oh, it's, you know, especially the startup organization, right? There's a growing pains period. Um, you know, this is a natural thing. Well. I, I don't know that I buy that argument, honestly. Like, yes, every, I don't know if it's a growing pain, but every organization has a pain because every organization that intends to be around, it should be growing, right? They should be evolving their strategy or their approach, no matter their size. They should be thinking about what their customers are going to want tomorrow, because if they're not, they're not going to be there tomorrow, right? So I think a lot of that that growing pains mentality is it's unfortunately like the way that many of us have to work now. And that doesn't mean we sacrifice, um, you know, people's attention, time, energy, you know, there's such a thing as, as having folks all in and, and working hard, but there's only so long of a period that you can do a push like that. If it's sustained, it's, it's a recipe for disaster and you're going to have, you're going to lose that legacy information unless again, you're very deliberate about like, what does that framework for change look like? Here's what our planning process looks like. Here's what our workflows look like. So if somebody is out of the office, someone else can do that workflow in that person's absence and it's documented and everybody gets what that person's job is. So again, I think that's an area where we can really help them future-proof, um, no matter the size of the organization or no matter um, you know the so-called growth trajectory. Um, even if they're relatively slow growing, they should still be thinking about the future. I think that's a really interesting um, framing. Whereas, you know, I think a lot of folks, when they hear that, let's say you're doing like a process documentation and optimization project, for example. Um, I think a lot of people think that that's like administrative, right? It's just like, okay, well, we need to document our process. And then maybe some people are like, okay, coverage, right? Because we want to de-risk the business if somebody, you know, takes an extended leave, um, you know, that's the sort of unplanned. We want to have that sustainability, but it's actually a high growth initiative because you are planning uh, or it can be a high growth initiative because you're planning for how can we, um, you know, spend our energy wisely and how can we, if we need to like um, keep the business going in like these like, like urgent, high effort, high energy like sprints for lack of a better word. But what I mean is just like big pushes, big pushes, big pushes. How are we giving some people a break so that, you know, another team can take over, right? Uh, and keep that growth going. Um, we need to document a process so that other people can do other things and we can kind of valve our staff to be continuously growing, um, but not burning our people out. Like, I think that's a really interesting framing on something that I think a lot of people will be like, process documentation, lame. <laughs> but actually understanding where that sits in the bigger picture, I think is also that thing, right? It's just like casting the vision that this is about achieving a goal that is related to, for example, growth or staying competitive in the marketplace. No, I appreciate that. Administrative is my least favorite um, program management insult that I've heard. And I've heard many. I hate when someone describes my job as administrative Um, because it is, okay, yeah, it's like the, not the glamorous or sexy parts of things, but we are the role that we play lays the groundwork for the company to do great things. And some of those process things, first of all, I think they're awesome because I'm super interested in like how things can work better. I understand not everybody thinks that, but what I always tell my stakeholders is like, this is my thing and I love doing this thing. I am doing, I'm working with you on this thing so that you can work on what it is that you are good at. Whether that's, you know, software development or designing a marketing campaign or make you know making some some new collateral for our our brand right like you do you this is the everybody wants to do their job more efficiently more effectively and that's what i can enable you to do because i'm that dedicated person who can spend the time thinking through well how can we like make this faster so that our designer has more time to actually do design 
It's funny because I'm actually like, I'm starting to paint a picture in my head of what it's like to have you as my program manager. <laughs> uh, and I can see some of these things coming through, right? Because like, I think you, 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 like, it's a really strong point that like administrative is not your mindset. Um, and actually I would say that, you know, that's not necessarily true of every project manager and maybe that's fine. But also this, when we're talking about a program mindset in the context of like organizational growth, like that is so valuable to have that vernacular to talk about your role in a way that is exciting and empowering and like almost freeing for the people around you to be like, yeah, like I'm not doing administrative stuff. I love this stuff. Like I'm here to nerd out about stuff that you think is boring so that you can do your thing so that we can grow together. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like I branding stuff, like you do that all the way long. I think that's boring. We're all here to do a job. Um, but then what I'm starting to see, like in the way even we're talking right now, right. It's, it's easy to see how, how easy, uh, not easy, but how um, efficient, I guess it could be to communicate a vision to your team, right? Yeah, this is not administrative. We're helping like this thing grow. Might be all it takes to really inspire people and for them to get it, to like understand that this is not a task like within a project and we don't really, you know, just get from A to B and then move on. It's actually... This is part of a bigger picture, like a program, uh, a strategic initiative that's going to change things and it's going to make things better <laughs> for the organization, but also for the people working within it. Right. Um, and I think just framing those benefits, like it strikes me that that's kind of like part of the way from a soft skills standpoint, from just a being a human standpoint, that you're getting people on board and getting them to trust you because you are casting that vision and you are energized about it and it is for something and it's not necessarily just like um, busy work, right? Right. I mean, what I always tell my, um, you know, the teams that I work with too is, could you do this without a program manager? Sure, but it wouldn't be as good. It's just like, I, I could design a marketing campaign. Sure, but it probably wouldn't be as good. I would be like making my own thing in MailChimp. Like it wouldn't be the greatest thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I, I do think that there's value in, you know, investing in your talent in the areas where you have folks with expertise to to do that and remove some of the burden from people so that you can, you know, get them focused on the work that they're the best suited to do. Um, I think that's just that's true of program management as, as it is true of any other profession. Um, and I guess the next point I'll make, which is like probably a tiny bit of a tangent, but you got me on my soapbox now, so I'm going to go for it. Um is that when I talk to friends who are totally outside of like what I do as a program manager and like don't get it, I try to explain to them like this is a day in the life of like what I would do. Oh, I would go and talk to you and and you know and ask you what when you're going to deliver something and you would tell me, oh well I can't make that date. So then I would try to understand why, like dig into your process, figure it out, like where I can where can I help, like where can I unblock something, where can I eliminate pain. And so many of my friends will be like, oh, but my PMs don't do that. Like they'll just come to me and tell me, oh, like I just I just need to know like when this thing's due, like. And I'm like, well, that's because they probably haven't been empowered to think about that bigger picture and like have that energy. So I guess for anybody who's listening, like you should feel like you can do that and have those conversations and add that value. Because again, a big part of our job is like working with people and making their lives easier. Um, and that's the part where I think it's the fun part of our job. Like, I don't I don't think any of us listening wants to just like go to a schedule and ask someone when something's due and like have that be our job. No one wants that. So even if it's not on paper, what you're assigned to do, have that conversation with your teams, with your leadership, with your stakeholders, and like take that next step and start to think about it big picture wise, because you have the insight, you're in the meetings, you see everything that's going on, you have the context that you need. So go for it. I love that. <laughs> I think it's a great soapbox. And I think it's like, it's, it's entirely like, it's very relevant here. It's hyper relevant uh, in the sense that, um, Especially if you're like, let's say if you're listening and you're a leader of an organization, you're part of the leadership team or you're, you're an owner, there's a chance that you may be mm -hmm. underutilizing the role of a program manager because the generally accepted definition is what you said, right? It's someone who's going to make sure things are getting done on time. And we don't necessarily have those conversations very widely outside of our own circles about how we are using our people skills, how we are leveraging leadership skills mm -hmm. to help people do their best work and orchestrate this collaboration that leads to change or growth or some kind of outcome that is beneficial for everyone in the organization. And I think even just tweaking your perspective a little bit to, to see that and know that that's a possibility, mm -hmm. I think that is the beginning of having that high growth 
uh, program mindset where you can be like, oh, I get it now. I can like, they're like ambassadors, not just like yeah. doers and checklist uh, keepers. Uh, there can be an ambassador of the vision so that everyone is is aligned and rowing in the same direction. Dang, that's super cool. <laughs> um, we talked earlier about um, maybe an example. And it occurs to me that I know like this notion of like rapid growth uh, and like strategic initiatives um, I know like you and I will throw that around, but I wonder if you have like a, a, a concrete example that you could walk through just even from like that moment where you get handed the, the, the program, you know, and maybe that roadmap in terms of the strategic initiative, like what might an organization be trying to achieve? And then how does one make that into different programs? And what might an outcome of those programs be in terms of like achieving those goals? Yeah, no, I think one good example, um, I'll try to keep it a little more generic since I, you know, client info and all, um, but one where I, I worked on a couple of years ago was coming into an environment where it was a data management program and they had this vision for how they wanted to create an analytics, centralized analytics platform. Great vision. They started out, I think they had a couple of products that were like overlaid on this platform and they wanted to expand and they had grown from a handful to like 50 plus. Um, and they just kept hiring data analysts and engineers to support that. But they had never really taken the step back um, as they started getting tons and tons of requests and demand for their services grew to like think about how to structure themselves in a way that would one, make the existing work easier to achieve and two, enable continued growth. So they saw the need for that. They, they brought me in. It was definitely a white space environment. And I was like, and they were like, oh, yeah, we, you know, we use Jira. We've got ticketing in place. Like we track our work. So I get there and there's like a backlog of like 1,200 Jira tickets. And I'm like, when exactly do you use Jira? <laughs> they were like, oh, well, we tried it. I'm like, okay. So <laughs> it was really kind of sitting down with the team and being like, okay, how to, you know, understanding how the work requests would come in, which as is probably familiar to many of our project managers and probably our other engineer friends listening. Um, but it's like a phone call or a text from a client. It's like how the work request comes in. And so we'll just kind of do that on the side and abandon whatever we had for the day, but we haven't described in any sort of way that that's how we've mm. approached our work. So we have no documentation that we've done that. So then when we go back to our JIRA, it's like, oh, we're going to give you all this new work. Why can't you take it on? You seems like you've got time. So I helped work with the team to help them understand that like while doing Jira tickets is not the most exciting or fun or interesting thing in the world. This is the reason we are at the point that we are in because from a client perspective, they don't get it. Friends like, we need to take the time to help get them get it. Mm -hmm so that we can defend our time and so that we can continue to take on cool projects as opposed to we're going to have to say no to stuff that's cool instead of, you know, we're spending our time in this routine stuff. So it was working with them to really set up like, okay, how should this ticketing system look in reality? Okay, great. We've got that stood up. Okay. Now we just have a free-for-all pool of engineers where stuff comes in and we don't really have a plan for who works on what. Okay, let's sit down with the team and organize into small groups based on the type of tickets or the program, the project or program area where the tickets are coming from. And so we made small teams that were dedicated that focused on one area and they handled a certain pool of tickets. And like we tried to align them based on skills and like what people said that they wanted to work on with a clear path of like, you know, if you master some of this operational stuff, you can work on these other cool things eventually. And there's like a way to do that. So I think it was really sitting down with people, helping them see the value of the process, starting this structure from scratch, and then convincing leadership was was relatively easy. Doing that initial JIRA analysis was horrifying because there wasn't much data, but I was like, ah, here's what our throughput is today. It says that people are working 90 hours a week, but we're still taking in new requests. This doesn't add up here. So I was like, we either need to ask for more budget or we need to start to push back on things. And so we started to see a clearer documentation over time of like what people were working on, what the true, you know, level of work was. And then we were able to say, no, most senior client who came to us with a random off the wall request, we're not going to do that if you want this other thing to get done. But you tell <laughs> us which do you think is more important and we'll do it. But we cannot do both unless you bring someone else for yeah. us to hire on board. And then in like a month that we can like take this on because of training. And by the way, here's our training program that we also stood up on the side so they could see how we onboarded people and the amount of time it took. So 
It was a lot of data analysis, documentation, and stakeholder relationships. And it was working with people, grassroots, and then at the top, right? So I saw a lot of my role is, like you said, that ambassador, that bridge between the two groups because leadership didn't get it. They were like, not at that level of detail, nor should they be to be like, why can't these people do more? It seems like they should. They're telling me that they're busy, but I have no proof. Right. Yeah. I love this, like the analysis piece, right? That sometimes we don't really um, emphasize the value of. But, you know, we're there, boots on the ground, asking the questions, getting the real world insights, like elbow to elbow, realizing that there's so much undocumented work happening yeah. that, of course, like our data is not going to be accurate because, you know, if we ran a report in JIRA, yeah, guess what it would say? Our throughput is terrible. Um, and then why are people working right. 90 hours a week? They must really be terrible at their jobs. But to be able to like go in and be like, cool, part of my program is to understand, like do this analysis and then like pick out those components of how we can like solve some of the problems, you know, lift people up uh, and start getting the better results. And then I like that notion of like the training, right? Like educating and onboarding clients, um, training like the leadership team. And I think now I'm starting to see what you mean about mm -hmm. like program management. How do we define it? Sometimes it's because it's multiple projects like that are working together to achieve a goal, but sometimes it's just a project. And some people might've been like, that's kind of a cop-out. But actually when you think about the components of that project, there's actually a lot going on, right? There's a change management piece. There is a, a training piece, right? There is the overall like the technology infrastructure uh, and building the processes around it to get a really clear picture of the work and then building the workflow around that to make sure that we understand capacity organizationally and can make better decisions about um, either our relationships with our clients yeah. or how we hire or how we scale the business or even whether we scale the business. Um, and you have that data there, but there's all these different components there, you know, in someone's world, that's one project in someone else's world, that's five projects. Um, so like, it's just that mindset of knowing that actually to like lift the tide in an organization, you can't yeah. just lift it in one spot. You kind of have to lift across, um, from a change management perspective, from a, you know, uh, client interaction and relationship perspective, um, it, it would have probably fallen on its face if it was just a cool, well, like, uh, just make sure everything goes into Jira, okay? Like, that would be the mini version that isn't looking at the bigger picture. Yeah, well, no one's going to do it because they don't get why. So they don't get why. So once people understand yes. the why, they will generally do it. Um, and we figured out a way to make it, you know, a lot less painful. So they were like, well, we don't want to fill in all these 25 fields. So I'm like, well, who says we have to fill in 25 fields? Let's pick three. And, like, that's our agreement. If we had more time to fill out the rest, great, but we probably don't. This is moving too quick. So let's like make a good and fast choice to do what makes the most sense. I like that as well. Also coming back to that thing you said earlier where humans aren't actually great at making decisions. Probably no human is, um, but we can make small decisions that are, you know, less overwhelming so that we can still move forward instead of just staying still. Yeah, it's been the decision making power. I think I like the decisions that matter, like automate what you do over and over again to the extent that you can. And to me, that is always another incentive from a career perspective, right? Because if you automate the boring things you do, then you can do the more fun things. There'll always be more work to do. Like, I promise you, in any organization. <laughs> that is absolutely true and fair. Absolutely true and fair, for sure. I wonder if we could talk um, pitfalls. Like, we're talking about this, and I know that, you know, um, like, you've had success in this area, uh, but I know that there's organizations out there um that they want to do this. They're like, oh, great. This podcast has been great. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to adopt a program mindset tomorrow, and mm -hmm. then we're going to solve all the world's problems in the next week or so. Uh, what what kind of like pitfalls or areas of, of caution would you have in terms of like pressing go on structuring like growth initiatives as as programs? Yeah. So there's a couple. I'm glad you asked that. Um, I think some of, some of it is embedded in what I already share, but I think there's a few things I haven't touched on. So just to recap what I already maybe highlighted a little bit, but not explicitly. Um, one is make sure your insights are based on real world observations. Like you've talked to somebody or you have seen some data point that backs up what you're saying. It's not like some leaders may occasionally do your opinion on what matters or what is important based on no data. And the data could be qualitative or quantitative, right? But let's not do something just because someone thinks it's a good idea and that's like the only basis for it. So that's one. 
Um, two, I think, is trying to move too fast too soon. Hmm. Um, I know we're talking high growth here. Things move quickly. But I think sometimes we tend, or program managers can tend to overplan and overcomplicate because that's like, you know, I love to do that too. I'm like, I would love to have this perfect control group world where everything operated in this way, but that's not how life is. So it's one thing to aspire to something, but you got to meet the team where they are. So um, like in that example I talked about with the JIRA tickets, there were 1,200 tickets. If I came in and I was like, we have to fill out 25 fields for all the tickets and we have to go back and categorize all the old ones. And then we need to make a really rigid structure, like, and we have to follow it every day or you're going to be in trouble. That would have never worked. So instead I was like, let's delete all the 1,200 tickets. They're like, what? And I'm like, well, if it's important, we would have updated it in the last like week. So we'll just make a new ticket. Let's just wipe them all out and like start afresh and like, let's agree on what we need to do and why. And it's only going to be these three things. And in two weeks, I put a reminder in the calendar. We're going to revisit it. And if you guys hate it and it sucks, we will never do this again. And be, don't be afraid to iterate. Like, try something. If it doesn't work, try, try something different. Um, so I think it's taking that bigger picture and then breaking it down into steps where the team is ready. Um, I've also heard horror stories. I haven't experienced this myself, but from colleagues of, like, PMOs who come in or, like, we're going to have all of these reporting requirements like that you must follow. Like nobody wants to do that. Like start with the bare minimum and ask yourself why you need that information and then make it a requirement. Do not just like come in and do a report for reporting sake, like especially if nobody has ever done a report before. So I think it's, it's started slow. Changement. Yeah, there you go. Change management and uh, like, and, and, and meeting people where they are, I think. And even as you're saying that, like, it's occurring to me that, like, that is the program mindset, actually, because if we're thinking about programs as I've got this mental model, I don't know if it holds up, but like, you know, like if in the definition where a program is actually a collection of projects working together, like this is this almost this like cellular model you can look at it as, okay, these cells come together to do a job, right? Um, but then you can even go smaller than that. You can go, okay. Just because this is broad organizational change doesn't mean that the program and all the projects within it have to be broad and sweeping. You can actually start. It's all these little steps together. Yeah. And it's actually when you can look at it as, yes, this organism is our organization and we want it to grow. But what are all the smaller component parts? And we don't have to say, you know, we don't have to like, you know, pull out a whole piece uh, and plug in a new one just to enact change. Sometimes it's making iterative uh, changes that are, I don't know, digestible for humans. Cause like, you yeah. just don't really like change, right? You say change management, we all kind of like nod and we know that me what that means. Um, but I think we, we don't say it a lot enough that what we mean is people can resist change, change. You can really do change wrong to people. Uh, and that might be the cause of failure and meeting people where, where they are. Like, I know it's kind of like catchphrasy in a way, mm -hmm. but it's like, it encapsulates something much bigger. Um, because I think it's just like, yeah, it is a, we're talking about humans here. We're talking about people, um, doing work, uh, their livelihoods. And yes, we're talking about organizational growth. Um, but we are still talking about people, even in that, even in that context as well. Yeah. And I think also people are overly ambitious too. So I'll meet with a lot of folks who are like, oh yeah, I'm totally like, um, I want to set up this really elaborate workflow and some project management tool and say it's an Asana and like, I wanted to do all of these five things, but I've literally never made a to-do list before. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> so why don't we just start <laughs> by like capturing what it is that you work on in a daily basis and like try that out for a week and see if we're like keeping up with that. Then we can expand it to like, you know, quarterly planning and like, how you interact with these five other teams and then get them embedded in the process. I'm like, I think people want to have this thing set up and like have grand aspirations for how they're going to use it. It's like, you know, you buy weed equipment and you're like, oh, I'm going to use it every day. But like, maybe you don't because you don't have a schedule of like when you're going to work out. So you haven't made the time for it. So it doesn't really work. So I think it's kind of that analogy of like, okay, like here's the, here's like the goal and the end state we want to get to. Like, it, let's not be prescriptive about what that looks like, but this is generally the outcome we want to see. And like, here's the daily thing that I'm going to do to get me closer to that. 
um, and working with people to see that. I think organizations are a lot like that. I love that analogy, right? I'm going to get fit. I bought the gym pass, bought a Peloton. Yeah, this is all going to happen. And then, yeah, not if you don't have the framework to actually, you know, do it. Or you're going to start doing too much and you're, yeah. you're going to hurt yourself, right? Right. And I like, actually think it's uh, it's apt because I wanted to swing back to this notion, right? You talked about growing pains earlier. Yeah. And, you know, is it is it a fallacy or, or, or is it not? How can somebody either, um, like, avoid this growing pain uh, versus accepting it or, or transform it. But I think like some of it comes down to the fact that actually um, like the word pain, I think in English is just like, um, it's not that useful of a word, right? It's like, does it hurt or does it not? Mm -hmm. and it doesn't really have that scale. But um, even just coming back to this analogy of like, yeah, working out to like whatever, grow a muscle, mm -hmm. right? Um, requires tiny little bits of pain and a framework around that, right? So that you know that, you are going to create tiny tears in your muscle. And yes, that is a form of pain, but you're not going to like break your arm. Yeah. Right? Like, right. That is a different kind of pain. Uh, and in the world of like growing pains, I don't know what I'm, what I'm kind of uh, inferring here is just like this notion of, yeah, change kind of is painful, I guess, but you need to like have that framework around change so that you're limiting the, the level of pain so that it's still productive. Not that it won't hurt, because change always kind of hurts in some way, right? But that is actually, um, again, don't uh, run run in too fast and trying to, you know, go too big too soon because that's how you're going to, quote unquote, hurt yourself slash hurt your organization by trying to like grow all at once instead of understanding that there are steps to be taken first. Yeah, I think that's apt. And I think too, a lot of times when I hear the word growing pains, it's an excuse for like a toxic culture. And like, to me, there is no excuse for that. Like there's a way to do things like you described in a healthy and slow way. Um, and by slow, I mean like it's adaptable. Like, because if you try to over orchestrate too, by the time you like roll out the whole thing, it's like irrelevant. Like if you try to do this big, grandiose annual planning exercise, but it takes you three months, well, like what the heck, by the end of the first <laughs> quarter, like you've already like, you know, you've already lost that portion of the year. Like, who knows if those goals are even relevant anymore? So, okay, like make a goal goal setting process that's lighter touch, right? And some like condensed cycle if that's a problem for you. So I think it's just being realistic about like, you may have these great ambitions or aspirations in a perfect world, but like, it's not a perfect world. So like, let's just scale it back to what's doable and like be content with that and like, let's move on. Maybe to kind of like tie it up with a bow. Mm -hmm. Like, would you say that that is kind of the program manager's role in all of this? We've been talking about managing up, managing down, um, meeting people where they are. Um, like, would you say that it's actually the program manager's role to um, give this structure and componentize things and provide the framework so that the like big change from the top doesn't uh, get sort of passed down to like the rest of the organization as the, okay, we must do all these things right away all at once and have this big sweeping change? Yes, absolutely. I think it's making a tactical plan out of a big strategy. And that involves like so many pieces, stakeholder buy-in, like leadership consensus, decision-making about how people spend their time, upskilling and coaching of employees of like how they should work to fit this new narrative. Um, there's, and, and, you know, how do we decide or interact with other teams that may impact this program? You know, there's so many pieces and components to it. So that sentence, I think, highlights a lot of what we do in our roles um, that can sometimes be behind the scenes. And that is the, the reason I would also recommend, and I've mentioned this to a couple other colleagues who've found that this has been really helpful for them. If you're operating in one of these high growth environments, like I keep a, a journal of what I do every day at work. Like it's three bullets. Hmm. It does not take me a lot of time, but I'll just be like, yeah, here's some things I did today. Because when you work in a pace that's that quick, sometimes you go back and you're like, what? I've been working on this for what seems like an eternity and we've done nothing. But actually, like, you've done a ton that you don't even realize. So when I go back at, at the end of the month, I'll just review, like, my notes. And I'm like, oh, we got a lot farther on that thing this month than I thought we did. And I think that's helpful for, like, you know, the individual psychologically. I think it's helpful for the team to see those wins. And then I think it's helpful for the business also to understand you know, where they've come and where and how far they've come thanks to your efforts. So career development wise as well. Um, so I think that's, 
your analogy about like constant the workout and the and the constant kind of tearing of the muscle and all that stuff, I think kind of documenting some of that journey, just like you kind of sometimes people will record like, you know, I was able to get to this weight or this many reps or something like that. I think it's a again mm-hmm. continuing this metaphor, a good way to like track progress um for what you're doing in this type of a role. I love it. That's awesome. Um, and just because I know, I, or I think our listeners might be curious, this this Jira yes. project, what was the overall outcome after uh, after it was all said and done? What did it do for the business? What did it do for the people? What did it do for the clients? Oh, yes. So we were able to organize into smaller teams. People felt like they had more clarity over what it was that they were doing all day. So they felt less like frenzied and frantic. Um, a couple of them said, hey, I got to spend more time with my family because we set this structure up and I wasn't on call as much, which was like a huge win nice. for me. I was like, oh, I love to hear that. Um, and then our our clients had, you know, they had the, um, you know, the wherewithal to go back to some of their top customers and say, hey, look, you know, we can fit you in, but, you know, it's not going to be for another month because I've already got this other thing for so-and-so. If you can convince their leadership to prioritize your thing like let me know but like here's what i you know what i said i can do so what did it take away some of the the hectic pace of the day-to-day like no it was still a busy environment there were still fires that came mm-hmm. up but i think it people just felt less um less frenzied and we were able to have conversations with our clients that were much more productive and we spent less time arguing about like why something didn't get done and more time like strategizing about like what are you guys trying to do next and we could be better prepared I love that. Awesome. Sarah, always great to have you on the show. Really appreciate your insights here. I think we came out with six or seven metaphors, probably three t-shirt ideas. Um, And again, like I do honestly feel, I feel like there are so many things where we're just kind of, you know, at the tip of the iceberg. I think it's a bigger, it's a bigger topic, uh, especially around people and change. Um, And we've been doing that a little bit on this podcast, um, not because we're shifting gears, but because actually the projects that we're talking about, the technology products, uh, projects, the the digital projects, like they are about enacting change and they are about growth. Um, so yeah, hopefully you as listeners found this very uh, interesting and compelling and insightful. Uh, and Sarah, I just want to say thanks again for your time. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun as always. So what do you think? Is a well-structured set of programs the key to rapid organizational growth? Or is growth more about the people and culture behind the day-to-day business operations? Or maybe both? Tell us a story. Have you had a project where you and your team have struggled to see the bigger picture? Or on the other hand, have you ever had a project where the goals were too lofty and sweeping to be successful? Leave your thoughts in the comments below. And if you want to hone your skills as a strategic project leader, come and join our collective. Head over to thedigitalprojectmanager.com slash membership to get access to a supportive community that shares knowledge, solves complex challenges, and shapes the future of our craft together. From robust templates and monthly training sessions that save you time and energy, to the peer support offered through our discussion forum, community events, and mastermind groups, being a member of our community means having over a thousand people in your corner as you navigate your career in digital project delivery. And if you like what you heard today, please subscribe and stay in touch on thedigitalprojectmanager.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.